Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for joining us on the Attack in Scrum podcast. This week, I was joined by good friend of the show and top journalist, Yestin George, to have a look back at the headlines from the world of Welsh rugby and beyond. And you know what? There's been quite a few this week, uh, ranging from the Lions Tour being confirmed through to uh, the announcement or the speculation that uh, the more South African sides will be joining the Pro 14. We've had Jamie Roberts linked to the Dragons. We've had Tom Francis... uh, confirming a new deal with Exeter, meaning he's not going to be available for Wales. In fact, we've had so much going on that uh, that we didn't even get time to talk about uh, the prospect of Wales playing at Twickenham, which uh, which is something I mentioned right at the start of the show that we're going to be talking about. So unfortunately, we didn't manage to do that. Uh, but if you do get time, go and have a listen back to last week's episode with Paul Rees, because uh, that's something that we covered with Paul. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't had a chance, go back and do have a listen to that one. But yeah, really enjoyed t- uh, chatting with Yestin. It's uh, always a pleasure to catch up with him and a mixture of, uh, of good analysis, uh, a bit of pessimism, a bit of optimism, uh, and some stories about John Inverdale, both good and bad. So if that's the kind of thing you uh, you think you might enjoy, then sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Attack and Scrum podcast. And thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Get your hands on some top quality coffee at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. We're living in very uncertain times and there's lots of doom and gloom out there. But do you know what? There's some interesting and some exciting rugby news, even though there's not stuff being played on the pitch. And joining me to give us a bit of optimism, as he always does, or at least in recent times, it's a good friend of the show, top journalist, Yestin George. How are you, Yestin? 
I'm all right. I thought you were having me on for the doom and gloom uh, <laughs> section. This, this, I thought I was referring, you know, returning to type. But um, well, we can do, we can do that. We can, uh, we can have you do that role. It's, uh, I, I'm, I have to say, I think there are some interesting news stories this week in amongst some huge amounts of uncertainty. I feel like I did my doom and gloom last week with Paul Reese, and I feel like this week there's a few things to be optimistic about. But. Uh, yeah, we can always rely on you for a bit of doom and gloom, can't we? Yeah, we can. I'll do my best. Fantastic. Well, look, we've got loads to get through, and we're going to be talking about the regions. And you know, I suppose we're what less than a month away, or just yeah, just round about a month away from uh, Pro 14 rugby resuming. We've got the prospect of it becoming a, uh, a Pro 18 next year, which we'll talk about. Also, uh, there's the international setup. The developments of Wales, uh, the likelihood of them playing in England this autumn. And there is loads and loads of transfer news, which is really, really interesting. And um, we're going to start, though, we're going to start by talking about the Lions. And I know everyone says it's too early to talk about the Lions, but there has been interesting developments, starting first and foremost with the fact that the organisers are expecting the tour to go ahead, which surely has to be seen as good news if they're, they're confident at this stage out. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a. It's obviously the Lions is one of those uh, events that does depend quite heavily on, um, you know, people travelling over and you know the the kind of hordes of Lions fans going over there. So uh, I suppose we just got to cross our fingers and hope that that will not be problematic. Because, but um, I mean, purely in terms of the rugby, it's it seems like. It it seems, but the the Lions tours of now compared to the Lions tours of twenty years ago are quite feasible, more feasible certainly in in terms of logistics and uh, and it yeah it's you know it's something I, I I'm still in that place where I'm kind of slightly mystified about the return of everything, yeah. uh, so that seems like eminently doable compared to say the idea of uh, the idea of you know crowds returning in the autumn, for instance, for for for, for matches. So yeah, it, it seems like a it seems you know hope just cross our fingers and hope that things develop. Really, the thing that I have concerns about is just how congested this fixture list is going to be next season. And no one, no one knows when anything's going to be played. So no, Sticking the Lions tour. In there, I was, you know, before we went, before we started recording, I, I forgot to ask you. You know, have you got any ideas when the next season's starting, Jed? You know, it is. It's crazy, isn't it? And yeah. you think about what the, and obviously that it's so interesting to to think about what the possibilities are from a um, from a, uh, a changing of of um, the seasons and the the way that world rugby were getting all bullish uh, uh, you know uh, less than 3 months ago about that we needed to have a a, a focused season for everybody in, on the global calendar so yeah no idea yeah it is it is all a little bit mad but it's it's potentially something to look forward to whether or not the the players see it that way there there just has to be a degree of common sense which i know is asking for a hell of a lot but you've got you've got to look at the players this time round and think we've got to look we've got to look after them players who are going to be playing for the Lions I suppose it helps that Saracens are going to be playing in in the championship next season 
And if I'm honest, I think that with no disrespect to the other sides, although this is going to sound like a lot of disrespect, I, I think that they can rest their biggest players the entire season and comfortably walk the league. I, you know, they, they've just got enough within that squad and within the youth academy to to go about. They'll have a point to prove to. I think I think they'll stroll the league. So that will help in regards to the fact that their big, you know, the huge amount of their big stars have have signed on for another season. So at least they'll be fairly well rested. And you can manage their game time a lot easier than perhaps uh, sides in the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the exciting things about what's going on now because you you hope that uh, there's a ton of players that um, even just from a regional and from an international point of view who are going to be well-rested and there are going to be some that are going to be hopefully fit and well uh, and, and ready, ready to go. So I, I, I hope that the confirmation or or certainly the com- the confirmation of the intention is a is a rec- is a recognition that they are going to do something with the the rugby diary and they are going to make sure that that, that we do have a season that is sensible for all the players not not just for uh, you know for, for for the global game really because it just seems like an opportunity that we we talk a lot about this don't we obviously everybody's always uh, pre- the precursor to saying these things is always obviously there have been people you know it's been a terrible terrible thing but it's also an opportunity for 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 them to pull their socks up and actually organize a a rugby season that works for everyone, but like you said, mainly for the players. Yeah, it's. I think we said this last week. It has to. It has to happen now. And if it doesn't happen now, there's very little chance of it of it happening again. Yeah, uh, you know that there's. This is a kind of you feel a once in a generation opportunity to create a sustainable future for rugby, because it's uh, it has bumbled its way through 25 years and. The reliance is on is on Test Rugby to bring the money in, um, but that's not the only Lions news this week. Rumours are rife that CVC are sniffing around a stake in the uh, in the the Lions as a uh, as a commercial entity. Which I don't know whether it fills me with with dread or excitement. But if there's someone yeah, was... prepared to to invest in it, it, it does make you think once again that. Far from being the the knights in shining armour, there will be an opportunity to safeguard the lions if you've got the commercial clout of CVC behind it. I was going to ask because you you, you must do, do you feel a degree of um, suspicion just because CVC won a piece of everything that you fear a kind of a kind of a total takeover of of by a by a very powerful organization and suddenly we're thrust into sort of formula one style ownership of of the whole sport is that not something that concerns you yes and no I i can see that and i think that's their play but on the other hand rugby is so far down the other end of the spectrum with such disparate ownership of every different entity and the the problem with rugby is you have had clubs versus the unions unions versus the lions you've had players versus the clubs there are so many different stakeholders in amongst all of this that actually having one entity albeit you know the money men who it's right to be suspicious of especially considering their involvement with formula one if they are able 
to if anyone is going to be able to get everyone around the table and, and crack a few skulls and make it happen and and let's be honest write a few checks that are going to make things happen i think it's them i think there's more chance of cbc creating a, a global calendar than there is world rugby yeah it's um you can't help but be slightly suspicious because uh, one of the things that it, it that I find interesting is that there's so little communication from CVC in terms oh. of you know there's there's the the phrase charm offensive doesn't appear to be part of their the <laughs> part of them sort of modus operandi does it 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 just it's just a it's it's like a juggernaut Mm. and uh you hear thing you hear rumors and then things happen there's no real dialogue beyond that is there I, unless i'm missing something no there's not there's not and it's yeah it feels more like uh, some kind of clandestine group of faceless individuals rather than it being you know having a, a charismatic front man to come out and, and be a spokesperson for them uh, and that's that's kind of the way they they seem to have gone about their business. They don't seem hugely interested in, you know, I guess other than nerds like us, the the general rugby public might not be that interested in CVC. What they will be interested in is what the end product is. And if you end up with a season with internationals playing during internationals and club games being played during the club window, and not having these ridiculous fixture clashes and player burnout and huge injury rates. You, you know, sorry to step into the marketing realm, but you're going to end up with a better product and it's going to appeal to more people. And I think that's that's ultimately what they're going they, they're going for. You know, the involvement in club rugby is because they think that there is some opportunity to make money, which has not happened yet. Now, this this will spell, I've no doubt, a move to, to paid television. Uh, whether or not it's wholesale, I don't know. But so much, you know, certainly... Club rugby is virtually all behind a paywall now, isn't it? You know, you've, aside from S4C, there is very little uh, free-to-air rugby. There's the odd Premiership rugby game on Channel Five. Uh, the Six Nations would undoubtedly be a massive blow, but again, it's it's whether or not sponsors will be as interested in the Six Nations if the viewing figures go from eight nine million to one point five. Two million on Sky or BT. You know that's the that's the thing. I, my gut says they would, to be honest. But um, every, everything that will that, that CBC will do or get you know manage to change will be driven with with commercial in mind. That's it. That is, and that's that's not necessarily an all good thing, and it's not necessarily an all bad thing. The, the real con, I think, is that it will be going. It, it, chunks of rugby will be going behind the paywall because they want to make money. The real pro is that. It's going to be a product. It sounds horrible saying that, but rugby as a as a product is going to get better. And the things that are, that are very bad about it, they will want to iron out because they're going to want to attract as big an audience as possible, so they can make as much money out of it. Well, you, you do want the sport to look like one sport mm. um, rather than or one code or whatever, um, rather than a, a bunch of disparate organizations without a doubt but uh i, I nothing makes me feel more like uh being 54 years old than the thought of uh thought of the six nations going behind pay, a paywall mm. just because it feels like that you know it's the classic opportunity for anybody my age to sort of throw their scarf on the floor and say that's it it's mm. all over you know um in a similar way to how people felt 
uh, when cric- when the same thing happens to cricket, really. But I, I, you know, I do think with all of this that uh, you can only rely. I, I, this is one of those things that I think you can only rely on a government to to stop happening. The minute these sporting events aren't ring fenced, then of course they're going to go out to the to the highest bidder and look to to make as much money as they can. And, can we that, not just trade, like, um, say, okay, we're going to trade you Wimbledon for um, the six? I, I trade Wimbledon quite happily, actually. Yeah, easily. Yeah, I would. I uh, yeah, I I think that would be the one I'd look at. We'll give sure. you Wimbledon and the Chelsea Flower Show and Crafts. And uh, as long as we can have the Six Nations, is that right? I think that's. I think that's worth. That's worth chucking in. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that feel, that feels like a fair deal to me. I mean, look, it's it's a big issue. And and Anton Deck Saturday uh, takeaway as well, which is, which is ring fenced. Yeah, it is ring fenced. <laughs> I think okay. there should be more. Um, I think there should be more cross pollination of TV talent. You know, when you know when ITV pick up the rugby, I think Anton Deck should be presented yeah. instead of instead of Sir Clive Woodward and Johnny Wilkinson. You know, well, yeah. why not? It would be it be fun. Let's bring it to a bigger audience. Let's yeah, win no. whatever's in the ad break. Let us, you let see, us I'm really hitting your marketing heart here, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> well, again, and let's be, let's be honest, having John Inverdale front anything, uh, yeah. has, uh, that, that, can't be good. that can't be good for bringing in an audience other than people who hate themselves. <laughs> That's true. He's, he's absolutely unbearable. Uh, I've, I've, got a, I've got a terribly soft spot for him, though, because I, um, I remember being in a pub on Cathedral Road uh, uh, after the FA Cup final when Chelsea lost, I think, to Arsenal in the final, and his Inverdale uh, walked past with his probably nine or eight-year-old daughter crying, sobbing her eyes out, inconsolable. And that's all she was to have been crying for a good 25, 30 minutes because it's a walk from, you know, it's a walk from the stadium to the Cayo, you know, and uh, she was still bawling her eyes out, bless her. So, uh, yeah, it's less to do with Inverdale and more to do with uh, just sympathy for his daughter. I'm going I'm to counter that with a different John Inverdale story. Okay. And this one, I won't say the name of the, the journalist in question, but I'll tell you off air because you might well know him. And he was uh, started in golf, which makes me think that you would know you would know this. Guy. Right. OK. And they were up there. They were covering Tiger Woods's win in, at the Open in 2000, I want to say. And, right. St. Uh, Andrews. St. Andrews. I think that's right. And well, you know, whatever hole it is that, that Tiger Woods has got has got the, the putt to win it, let's say it's the 16th. And uh, the, the journos are, uh, are crowded around the green and uh, as, as is Inverdale. And as Tiger goes, pulls his, pulls his backswing for this 12-foot putt, John, John Inverdale says, Tiger Woods, like that. Like, you know, audibly. <sighs> Woods, Woods stops mid-straight and turns around. <laughs> Inverdale points... <laughs> to my mate, the journalist next to him, as if to say it was him, uh, which which I think is the most incredible. I, I don't know whether he was trying to put him off or he was he was doing a piece for Five Live at that moment in time, but he simply was not prepared to front up and take the blame for uh, for what he was doing. And that kind of cowardice, I think, is uh, is uh, uh, the measure of the man who I've never met. Yeah, no, that suddenly yeah, forget about forget about what my sympathies for him on that basis. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I tell you what, though. Let's uh, let's quickly just uh, let's wrap up with the Lions. 
uh, because again, I don't know if you've seen this, but I know this will interest you. There is plans, should the tour go ahead, for a joint behind the scenes documentary yeah. with the Lions and the, uh, the South African setup, which I do think is absolutely fascinating. Now, I know we've had some since the uh, since the, the 1997 tour, the, the criminally underrated 2001 uh, DVD, which I think I've You're so indie, Jed. That's like, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, t- never mind 97. Well, I'll say that, yeah. I, I preferred the, I preferred the fourth <laughs> album. They're experimental. It's like the Super Furries, you know, I'm more of a Moon fan, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Welsh language one. That's it, that's it. I was always more of a Gorky's fan anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know it sounds like that, but the 2001 is, yeah. is well worth a look because of the, yeah. the crap that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but, yeah. you know, we're, we're living in the golden age of sports documentary. We now. are. Yeah, yeah. there is no escaping that and I'm glad they kind of acted quickly on this for next year because that could be fascinating because it's it's one of those things that I know a load of people who have a passing interest in rugby they might watch some Six Nations but they will make themselves available for the Lions because of because of that 97 documentary it it, it, it was one of those things that just really drew back the curtain and went this is what this is what a sport is all about and these are the guys and they they seemed human and i think particularly at, at that stage and everyone just fell in love with it they fell in love with the characters they fell in love with the effort that happened on the tour and uh, it was it was in, it was absolutely incredible but now to get the opportunity to do it i just hope it ends up in the vein of the of those of those original documentaries rather than something overly polished like the you know the the, the pep guardiola stuff that, that amazon have done yeah i just think it's uh, you know it can't be a puff piece it's got to be the the raw emotion yeah, well, I I, um, I have I confess at this point in a cross sport, uh, uh, relevant cross sport comment that I'm a Leeds United fan. So um, I actually uh, celebrated uh, their championship uh, winning uh, marvel by um, by starting to watch the Amazon documentary from last season, where they obviously screwed it up at the last thing because I hadn't been able to stomach the thought of watching it until until i knew that there was a happy ending somewhere down the line and they're so very rarely is a happy ending in the leeds united story that um, might that might be the most yes in george statement that's ever that's ever happened yeah, yeah and people you peak your peak yesterday at that moment in time i know people were people were messaging me last night going you must be absolutely ecstatic you just sitting there with a bottle of champagne and going no i'm watching the watching the amazon documentary from last year and they were going what are you doing celebrate and i'm going well i kind of am um so yeah but i i think yeah it'd be brilliant if they could create it's an opportunity to do a documentary because there have been so so many decent ones uh it it has it, it, it's really a challenge to step up you just hope that sky go okay we're not going to just um dial this one in and uh obviously that also the south african squad is full of character isn't mm. it so it could be really really good i, th- I think none well i say none more so the, the two characters who fascinate me in that setup are Razi Erasmus and Sir Khaleesi. I just think that I, I would, I'd watch that if it was just about, if it was just about the South African side, I think. Yeah. Mainly yeah, for those, no, those two individuals. But I, I can't think of, is there a, 
Is has there been a doc? I can't think of a high-profile documentary where both teams have been featured. Really, it's a really good point. Actually, I'm not. There's not. There's not one that springs to mind. I'm sure. I'm sure some of the listeners will have will have seen one and will uh, will happily correct us on that. But yeah, there there isn't one that that springs to not, mind. On I've that. even watched. I've even watched two series of Sunderland till I die. So you know, I'm I'm there. <laughs> you know, I watch any old nonsense. That's, that's a fine series, I have to say, actually. But uh, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll wrap up on the on the cross sport things because uh, I'm I'm hoping that the Leeds squad managed to celebrate considerably more than you did because uh, the final fixture of the season is Leeds Charlton, and uh, with Charlton being uh, my side, yeah. our, our our survival de- depends on uh, on that fixture. So I'm yeah, hoping I would... there's a few sore heads. Yeah, well, I'm, I would I would hope that Charlton stay up there. It's a you know I know it's I know the ownership's not you know not everybody's cup of tea, but the club is amazing, and I've got friends who are die you know diehard Charlton fans, so I, I I don't mind shipping a few points to them if that means they stay up. That would be uh, that would be most appreciated. Right, let's uh, let's move on and have a look at uh, let's have a look at the prospect of it becoming a a top eighteen next year. Uh, so the Super Rugby announced this uh, this week that there was going to be a, a shake up to how uh, to how that looks. Essentially, you've got a, um, a, a doing away with the South African sides and and with the Jaguares. Uh, the, you know the, the natural. I don't know if we've seen any official communication on this yet, but uh, the the natural fit is that the South African sides will join the others in um, in the. What the hell's the league called? The Pro Fourteen. Um, <laughs> it shows it shows how much affinity. I know, it's, I but we're all out, we're all rusty chairs at the moment. I but don't. Why, know. I know, but why? why I don't even know the name. Pro. Like, why's it got the number? Why's it got the number in it? If you're yeah. constantly adding teams to it every bloody year, don't call. Don't put the number at the end of it. It's so yeah. unimaginative. Like, yeah. just, just come up with something. Like, I, you know, contrast that with. I love the fact that, um, uh, you know, that that uh, the Super Rugby these kind of off-the-cuff franchises or whatever you call it, the off-the-cuff kind of tournaments that are, that are filling in, they, they've got a bit of character about their names, you know? Yeah. I, I like yeah. that. It's, there, is a, there is something in that where it's just, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the Pro 14. There's 14 well, teams and they're professional. What were your, what were your first thoughts, uh, just fan-wise, when, mm. when, you, when you thought, is this a good thing? Or did you just think... My first thoughts were... Uh, for, for South African fans, would it not be better just to have the Curry Cup, yeah. um, which I know they have already? But could you not just make it more robust and go back to? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the commercials of South African. Uh, South Africa. Presumably, it's not that's not feasible. But it, it doesn't excite me massively. I just think it's, um, you know, okay. Well, there's there's going to be the thing that I find really strange. Is at the moment they can't qualify. The teams can't qualify for Europe either, can they? So it's not all interlinked. No. It's just a very odd, a very odd setup. I don't know how the logistics are going to work. I'm sure it brings money in the short term. So, you know. well, it seems it seems it feels like without look without knowing that that's the only reason that it that it makes sense because you don't even see the players sort of going going there with any great joy or even obviously the fans don't go to watch the matches no i mean often the home home. fans don't go you know as in the uh the 
what the hell are they called? Southern Kings. Uh, yeah. Uh, more often than not, playing in front of an empty an empty stadium, and it's. Uh, I, I don't know whether this will change. Perhaps it is a good thing, you know, that maybe they'll, uh, you know, they'll turn up for uh, for a game against the Sharks or the Bulls or whatever. But um, yeah, it's because the the other contrasting report that I heard what about a fortnight ago was that potentially these sides were going to join. And they've been off the uh, the two existing sides that are in there at the moment. But either way, there's there's going to be an influx of an influx of, uh, of South African sides to the league. Uh, it, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think South Africa has struggled to find its home in recent years as to where that club rugby lies. They've been, if not at war, they've been at odds with uh, with the rest of uh, the rest of Zanzar. And from a club perspective, there's all the the logistical nightmares that that go on um, that go on with it, the time difference, the travel, everything else. So the northern hemisphere, in some regards, is a is a better fit, but it it does to me just make the league look like a um, I don't know if dumping ground is too harsh, but it's certainly a mishmash. I, I I've, I've said this before, but how do you explain yet alone to a Martian? How do I explain to my in-laws who I'm currently yeah. living with when I'm you know on a on a Friday night watching you know, watching Zebra versus Zebra versus Cardiff, what the hell is going on? You know, it's like, sorry, what in what tournament do an Italian side play a Welsh side, but it's not the European tournament, you know, and then you throw in South African sides as well. It, I don't know. I, look, yeah. They've got to take... I imagine the, the, the prospect of you watching Zebra versus versus the Bulls. That's even more bizarre, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There is slim chance of, of me yeah. ever doing that. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's that. That's the other thing. There's, on the one hand, you have the beauty of of um, Premier Sports for all of their faults have everything in, in one place. You know, so if you subscribe, you can watch all the games. But yeah. I don't think on any one occasion I have watched a game other than uh, involving the Welsh regions. I, no. I, I don't think I have. Yeah, I think I came close to watching Munster Leinster once. Yeah, uh, I mean I that. That's. Pre- I was just going to say that's. That's pretty much the only. The only game in town that you would. You would think that it's justifiable. You know, otherwise it's. It seems like a pointless exercise. And I. I. I but you know, I do you know you must know you know more rugby geeks than I do. Mm. I mean, is that the would that be the case for the absolute fanatic? Well, I would I would throw in our mutual geek friend Murph here yeah. into this mix. Now, Murph watches a lot of rugby, uh, and I'm sure he'll let us know if he if he's listening to this. But I I don't think he watches that much Pro 14 over. I know he watches most of the Premiership rugby, as in uh, the the English Premiership. Yeah, I know he he gets down to Glamorgan Wanderers to watch them too. It's you know I, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think it appeals. It's too, it's too disparate. There's too many dead rubbers, and and we, you know, I suppose the, the playoffs that that might be different. But it's it's just it's too hard to find. For for so many years, they were on various different broadcasters. So, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like it. At least now, where it's on pro uh, on Premier Sports, you might you know if you're in on a on a Saturday evening and you just watched and you just watched uh, Cardiff Ospreys. And they went right. It's you know it's it's Leinster Ulster coming up. You might go, actually yeah. Do you not bugger it? I'll I'll stay on and watch that. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. From what I'm led to believe, I don't think those viewing figures are very big at all. 
regardless of anecdotal evidence, I think I, I think the the actual evidence is that that uh, take up has been very very low on. Um, and, and that's because it's, you know, that's for all the reasons we've outlined, I think. It, it's hard to find. It's a, it's a strange league to get your head around. It's always changing. The quality of rugby varies massively. There's loads of dead rubbers and Leinster always win it. Yeah. Do the TV, do you know if the TV audience is much better for Welsh regions? I don't know that. I, my guess would be that it would be strongest for Irish, would yeah. be my guess. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I've certainly seen a few numbers that indicate that the the general viewing figures are are way 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 lower than six figures, um, right. which you know I, I, I've you know I, I'm not overly surprised by. It's just it's just a big you know it's a big hoop to jump through. If it was all on Sky, at least you would have the backing of of Sky behind it, and then they would also you know you've also got a, a people subscribe to sky for various different reasons whereas with premier sports you know as much as you've got to respect the fact they put the money in and i don't think their coverage is anywhere near as bad as people make out by the way um it's uh, it, it's going to have a limited fan base because there, there are other sports you know that they've got there are uh, you know a, a kind of you know a bit of Serie A football a bit of um a bit of la liga again i, I can't imagine there's a huge crossover between La Liga fans and Pro 14 fans? I don't know. No. No. And I'm not big on ice hockey. I'm assuming they have that. They do have the ice hockey, yeah. They have, yeah. They have the ice hockey and, uh, yeah, a couple, a couple of other things. You know, it, it's fine. You know, if it was a free sports channel, I know there is a version of it called Free Sports, which they put a few bits and pieces out on. But if all of this was free, you know, you'd probably go, actually, and it was on Freeview and it was easy to find. You know, you'd probably yeah. have quite a good offering. But obviously that's that's not the case and they need to sell subscriptions to, to have money i don't know my, my gut says that that premier sports will not be the broadcaster uh come the end of this deal uh but you know we'll uh yeah we'll wait we'll wait and see on that one uh yeah. so, so we're saying that the the prospect of new south african size doesn't necessarily excite us not at all no not in, not in the slightest see i told you i'd come back with some misery <laughs> I thought we'd I thought we'd bury the misery at the end of the first half. So okay, fine. We've, we've done that successfully, and uh, there will be some cheery, optimistic news coming up in the second half. If not from Yestin, then from me. So all of that to come, and that's a guaranteed promise. All of that to come after this quick break. Well, yes, then we've managed to we've managed to bring it down to our usual uh, level of melancholia. Uh, but as I said before the break, I think there are some uh, some interesting things out there, and I want to talk I want to talk transfers now because uh, it's been a, an interesting week. We've kind of had a lot of a lot of transfers you, you might well have forgotten about because they were announced before uh, before lockdown. But uh, as rugby or the return of Pro 14 starts to loom. I've had a revisit of the, the squads of the Welsh regions and, and there's been some very interesting business in there, but the week has been dominated by, uh, by one big rumour, which is Jamie Roberts going to the Dragons and uh, also one, uh, one big bit of news in that Tom Francis is, is re-signing for Exeter this time round, meaning he's not eligible to play for Wales uh, 
based on uh, based on this. So, firstly, let's just get your thoughts on uh, on Tom Francis uh, making that choice. Essentially, club over country. Yeah, I think it's a big loss. I really oh, do. Is. I, 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 no, nobody was more surprised to see him uh, becoming like a cornerstone of the Welsh pack than me. I, I, I just. Do you remember the, pre, not the, one, two, you know, the World Cup before last when they were, <laughs> that, that those those videos were coming out on of um, of when he was sort of nearing collapse, yeah. uh, you know, in training and things like that. And I've actually, I can remember my son who was probably about thirteen or fourteen at the time. Uh, having a photograph taken with him and just uh, after the South Africa game and uh, realising he's a, quite a diminutive man, really, in, in in international rugby terms. But he's just done so well. He's done so, so well. And it's gutting, I think. I'm gutted. Yeah, it's uh, for sure. It's, it's, it's a massive blow. And you're right, I, I didn't anticipate saying that five years ago. But uh, he is, I think, particularly when Samson Lee was, you know, was was kind of on the up. I think everyone kind of expected him to to really make that three shirt his own. But uh, but Tom Francis has been brilliant, a brilliant servant to Welsh rugby in the last uh, in the last few years. But it, it, it's disappointing. It really is. And um, I, there's been a lot of people out there, the detractors of the of the sixty cap rule, saying, "Well, this proves it doesn't work." I would say, I'd say the evidence suggests otherwise. I, I do think it is it has managed to um, to bring talent back uh, back to Wales, and I think it will have a I think it will have a positive effect in the long run. But this this one is disappointing, and um, he's he's close. I think he's on like forty eight caps or something like that. So you know, uh, it's gonna look. We're, I think we are always going to have a Reese Webb or a Tom Francis. There's always going to be you know, a small minority of players who are going to do the thing that they're going to do because they're looking at their careers and they in Francis's case obviously had a you know fairly uh, bad injury and he's you know you've got to accept that that there's always going to be some it's never going to be oh everybody's home now Mm. it's just not going to happen like that never has we've (sighs) lost you know we, we only have to look back at some of those uh, like the the rugby league, you know mm. that was that was on, uh, you know that was on TV the weekend before last to realise just how, you know we we our the availability of Welsh qualified players was almost non-existent <laughs> for a, for a period in time. So yeah, it's it, we're always gonna we're gonna have players who are not going to be able to 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 play for Wales and they make that decision. Tom Francis had, you know, he's had a very successful career with Exeter and you just have to go well, fair dues, you know, and wish him well because like you said he's been a, a, a great servant. It's just a shame that we don't have three tight heads that you mm. just think okay, that's fine. You know, we can we can we can work around this. Yeah, I I mean I've gone through the the full spectrum of emotions on this one because the the old firebrand fan in me says, "Well, bugger it then. If you don't want to play for Wales, you know, then then balls to you." But that's that is, you know, that is the me who isn't taking into account the, you know, the the sacrifice and the hard work and the and the injury that you that you put yourself through when you're uh, when you're you're playing at that level. 
and uh, I, it's just so disappointing because he's I've just, I've just looked this up now he's got 47 caps and he's 28 years old and you just think that I don't know if it was a a question of signing a one-year deal at uh, you know a one-year deal with uh, with a side in Wales he could then go and he could then go go back and play for Exeter again you know and it, because he realistically you'd get those 13 caps if the uh, you know if the COVID rescheduling is anything to go by you'll have those bloody caps by November yeah. Um, so yeah it's a uh, so it, it, I mean, in rugby terms, it's uh, taking the emotion out of it. That is a that is a big blow, and that gives that gives Wayne Pebacker something of a of a headache, I think, because it's it's been difficult to to find a, a prop to fill in for him when he's when he's not been there. Yeah, definitely, and it it's but it shows maybe even you know Samson Lee's uh, decline is a horrible word to use, but just the fact that he's never he's never got back into the same shape maybe because he's carrying injury maybe mm. you know maybe he's just got problems that's one of the things we never considered until until you know until it, it, until players retire through injury that they are that so many of them uh, their mobility you can see that in even in their the patterns of play and the, their behaviors on the pitch that you realize that they are carrying injuries a lot of the time and as we alluded to earlier on the players are players are being asked to run through brick walls mm. too often and they maybe tom francis has said you know i've i've i'm gonna i'm gonna do myself you know serious permanent injury unless i just unless i you know, unless I scale back my my commitments or something, you know, and he's obviously not going to be earning tuppence halfpenny with Exeter, and uh, maybe he that maybe that's his, you know, maybe that's that's his decision. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, it, it it is a it is a short career, and you know, I've always I always I remember when you know when Dan Lydiate moved from the Dragons to wherever he went in France, Racing, I think possibly I think it was Racing. And you know that, that was that was a blow at the time. But I remember thinking, well, I watched this kid break his back when he was nineteen years old playing for the Dragons. So mm. you know, can you really begrudge someone the opportunity to take a payday somewhere? What I think that what I think the sixty cap rule has done is it's meant that um, it's meant that you have to think twice about that. But then I, I also think that a lot of the time there's a good you know there is a good salary uh, up for grabs in Wales if you're an international player if you're one of the the 35, 38, whatever it is, who's able to, to get on one of these yeah. elite, elite contracts. Yeah, 38. 38, you know, I think if you're one of those, and it is, it is starting to, you're starting to see dividends uh, in, in terms of making the, the club stronger. We can't sit here and moan and say all the no. regions are crap if, if this is here to, to help it. And look, was it frustrating not having Reese Webb in the World Cup? Yeah. Did it mean that... Uh, would we've got to the World Cup final with Reese Webb? I, I actually died as much as no one loves Reese Webb more than I do, but I don't, I don't think that was the difference. No. Uh, I think you know, possibly if you'd have had, a, you know, if you'd have had a Toby fit, that would have that would have made a bigger impact, or or you know, a, a few things like that. It, it's um, yeah, you always want to see the best players playing for Wales, but there are going to be the odd anomalies, and and that's that's what I think this Tom Francis one is. But it's. Uh, Make no mistake, it's a headache for for Pivac. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, right, well, let's let's have a look at the other transfer news. This um, 
we should also say actually just while we quickly talk about Toby there that he's set to sign a new deal so he's likely to uh, he's not likely to return to Wales anytime soon uh, but of course remains eligible because he's uh, he's north of that 60 caps um, but a former teammate of his at uh, at Bath uh, has been rumoured to be joining the Dragons and this is of course Jamie Roberts let's get your take on that from from start to finish good signing uh, well yeah how do you assess well, I, you know this he, I, I don't think uh, you know the the potential signing of Jamie Roberts is not the most exciting thing about the dragons and that therefore it shows that the dragons are in a good spot and that it doesn't it, you, you're not going to say well that's a stupid idea because somebody with his experience um, who can probably guide uh, you know, maybe have a maybe have a a part to play in sort of coaching as well, or you know, he's an intelligent, articulate man as well. Mm. Um, it, it's not. It's going to be a. It's not going to be a. It's certainly, you know, he's not the sort of player who's going to arrive and then cause havoc in the dressing room. Uh, so it's a good. There, there are there are a bunch of people at the Dragons, aren't there? That are. El, you know, older state, yeah. elder statesmen in the game, and 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 they're fine in terms of their. They seem to be very motivated and able to play. And you know, the idea of Tompkins and Holmes, and even I don't know how how Maximu is. I I haven't seen him play very much, but he's he just the, his. His mere physicality seems to be very exciting. I just like, I'd like, if you asked me to sketch out what I would expect or what I would hope a a realistic Dragons lock signing would look like, that's basically it. It's someone who's who's big, bulky. I'm hoping there's a big streak of bastard in there. Yeah, and Welsh Welsh qualified as well. Yeah, ideally uh, from the Transvaal region. But Welsh qualified, but nonetheless, you know, I think I think he's been, you know I think he's been unlucky with injuries and um, has had game time there a little bit limited. But generally, I think you know all those points you make there are absolutely right. And and um, the fact that they've you know obviously they've retained they've retained the bulk of their players. They've obviously lost you know the the um, uh, they, they they've lost Tyler Morgan. Mm. But um, I yeah I think there it's. It, it, it's a, just another bonus for for dragons. Look like the most exciting prospect in terms of developing the region. Then yeah. you know, I mean, imagine eighteen months ago, Jed, if you'd have been, if we'd, have, you wouldn't have considered this conversation, would you, as as a reality? No, if you'd have said, if you'd have said, uh, Jamie Roberts is linked with is linked with Newport, I'd have thought that he'd uh, he was taking up a job in the Gwent. You know, yeah. I, I would have thought it was... And a, you, would, yeah. you certainly wouldn't have thought, as well as that, they've got, you know, the, the most exciting centre in, in, you know, to make his yeah. debut in, in Welsh rugby and a guy that's a guy that's scored. How many tries has Jonah Holmes scored in, in, oh, in, in, in the English Premier League? Yeah. You know, I, it's you're right. like... You're absolutely right. And it's... Um, it, it is exciting. I suppose I am a little bit a little bit cautious just on the grounds that I remember being this excited when, uh, you know, when, um, when Jackman came in and talked a fantastic game to the, um, to the media and, uh, you know, and, you know, for, for what it's worth, he's a really, really good guy. 
um, you know, he gave us his time and uh, I spoke to him on a couple of occasions and he's a really good guy. But it, it, it didn't work out, you know, for all of the, the good chat and the, the positive spin uh, to start with. It, it just didn't make sense. The, the, the real difference, I think, here uh, in all of this is the experience that Dean Ryan brings. And, uh, you know, he's used to, to, building, uh, to building squads to compete for things. And, you know, I know that the criticism was always, uh, you know, at Gloucester that, that they were kind of bottle jobs and they didn't, they didn't close, they, they didn't close out um, the big finals that they played in. But do you know what? I think, he, A, he's made this side much more competitive and the recruitment has been shrewd. You know, it has been really, really shrewd. And yeah, you add in, yeah, you add Tompkins into the, into the mix, Jonah Holmes, even if Roberts doesn't happen, um, you know, the fact that it's a possibility is, um, is an interesting one. And then all of the, all of the young talent, which has been there all yeah. along. Um, I think there is a real, a real reason to be excited. You know, for every, for every kind of Rio Dyer on the wing, you look at the improvements that, that Matthew Screech and Joe Davis have made in the past. Yeah, yeah. totally. You know, that's, that, that is, that is always the area that, that, has, that has been of most concern has been the, the front five. But again, I, you know, I, I now look at, um, uh, the Ben Fry's brother Harry, I think it is, who's just um, yeah. They, they just brought in from the Gloucester Academy. Again, that's I, I think that that could be a potentially ex- very exciting signing. You've got you know Leon Brown starting to mature, and then you've got like you say that sprinkling of of experience in uh, in Richard Hibbard and and, uh, and Brock Harris and uh, and Jarvis and those kind of players knocking around the the front row too. I think that is a you know that is good, but it's the problem has been when injuries have have hit in the last uh, in the last few years. I think um, so. I'm hoping there is there is more depth to it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, and it, the other thing obviously is now you know, the more the more dragons players that are in the Welsh squad, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a big ask. But Ryan seemed to pull them together when that happened last season, didn't he? Before before lockdown happened, yeah. You know, he he he. Obviously, we're we're talking about baby steps here. We're not talking about and and also you know if if new if if the dragons were in Gloucester's position in three in two or three years time you'd be you'd bite 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 the hand off wouldn't yeah. you it's like the, the the it's it's been a very it's been a very difficult long and difficult period for that for that for that club or region you know yeah well it, yeah it undoubtedly has and i i think the thing is is that throughout all that time there has always been talented youngsters there you know and that's you know whether that's the current crop who we've just named or Lydia and uh Lydia and Falatau before that and you know even going years before that there's 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 always been talented players coming out of it which is why I'm convinced which is why the the union stepped in to to save the club uh yeah the you know or to to buy the club at, at that point and that's the next step you know now is is buttress has made it clear that he wants the, them to be a standalone um a standalone entity and he's looking to move towards that but the, all the all the um all the noises are positive and I, you know the i think the, the prospect of that of that european quarter final um which is one of the again one of the few things we know is going to be played i think that's uh, september the 18th yeah, that game against uh, against Bristol, and then you know a look towards next season. There, there is every reason to be a lot more, um, a lot more excited. 
and in a much smaller it, it's, Sorry, go on. It's, it's so mad, isn't it, thinking September the 18th and September the 19th are the Challenge Cup semi-finals. And the quarters, fact, actually, yeah. Quarters, yeah, sorry, quarters. And the, the finals in, you know, mid-October or whatever. And it's like, okay, uh, can you explain again what's going to happen after that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure anyone can. But in amongst all of this, I think, I think Roberts would be, it would be a bit of a, you know, a statement of intent. Uh, I think the fact that he had a good, uh, a good period at the, at the Storm has helped because um, I wouldn't say he'd lost his way at, at Bath, but, uh, you know, I think it really helped that he, that he put in a good run of form in, in South Africa and, and showed that he still got it. You know, we've said on this a number of times, he's, uh, it, it, there's, there's always been some, some lazy stuff written about Jamie Roberts being, you know, a, um, a one-trick pony. Because he, even if he is, you know, look, we know he's got a very direct game, but for all the bludgeoning, he's got that amazing defensive uh, work rate as well. And he's also, he's got the ability to organise a defence. He's got, um, and he will bring a level of professionalism that, um, you know, again, you know, a young centre like uh, like Nairon Owen will be sat there next to someone like Jamie Roberts you know, I, I imagine there'd be so much he could learn. He could learn from him that uh, that it'd be, you know, and then like, you know, even Jack Dixon's only twenty five or whatever. It, I don't know. I, I think it would be if the price is right. It would be a really interesting signing uh, for an, for a number of reasons. Plus, again, the marketeer in me would be thinking this is a, you know, this is a a great opportunity because people will sit up and go, oh, well, do you know what? I will go down Rodney Parade on Friday night and watch and watch Jamie Robinson's debut. You know, why not? Um, so, so there is an opportunity to get some bums on seats, I think, by uh, by using him in the right way, and you know he's, he'd be available all year round. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, I when I saw him play for Bath, I thought he was, you know, he, like you say, he did his job, and he looked like it wholeheartedly doing his job as well, not not dialing it in. You know, yeah. I don't think that's, I, I don't think, I don't think you could ever accuse him of doing that. No. Because it's, no, just, I, it, it, it's like, you know, you've never dialed in a kind of running onto the ball, at a brick, you know, at, as fast as you can, and knowing that you're going to get, you're going to get hammered, you know. You can't, you can't dial in fracturing your skull and playing on. No. That's the, that's the kind of player we're talking about. And yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But there are, of course, uh, Transfers going on elsewhere, and uh, I've dug up, dug up the list because I was keen to to have a chat with you about this. And uh, let's let's have a look down the road in uh, in Cardiff and, and what's going on there. So, again, almost a little bit quietly, they've they've uh, <laughs> at the risk of sounding like Jim White, you know, they've kind of gone about their business and uh, and bought in some good players. Reese Carey coming back to coming back to Cardiff Blues, which most people expected when Saracens had their problem. I think that's a massive boost. Uh, they should, you know, they should never have let him go in the first place. That guy is uh, is one of the most exciting talents in Wales. Yeah, I I, I was surprised uh, reading, obviously the reading between the lines of some of the reports, almost suggesting that he was a failure or something at Saracens. And it was like, uh, hang on a minute, he just, yeah. you know, he didn't really play that much, and he got carded, which is embarrassing. Um, but but. He, he, you know, he came off the bench what five times for Wales and 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 had an impact every time he played. I, I, I think, it, and there was always that suggestion that he was being sent up to Saracens. They were going to school him, um, as if the 
you know the the blues weren't capable of doing it or that he needed to be outside of his comfort zone i'm not sure but he's he's a He's an amazing. Uh, the one thing that they appear to certainly, he's a better scrummager, maybe. But it, or certainly, he looks like looks looks the part now um, in the you know uh, um, at scrum time. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player. Yeah, he is. I you know I I get the feeling that, and I don't I don't know this, but I get the feeling he was frustrated because he felt he was ready for for more first team. Yeah rugby at Cardiff and when the opportunity arose like, well if I'm gonna if I'm gonna warm the bench am I gonna be warming it for for Mako or with the greatest of respect am I gonna be warming it for reskilled you know I think he um you know I think he looked at it and thought right well there's an opportunity to go to to go to a, a huge club who's who's winning things and and learn a lot from some fantastic players and it, no one really could have predicted that it would have played out this way but it's a, it's a massive boost for for the Blues to get him back have you heard anything about Ellis Jenkins's state of health? Uh, I believe he's not far. I mean, it's it, it's been a real, um, uh, yeah, a, a real battle. Rather, unfortunately, we had Ellis lined up to come on uh, in April. Oh, uh, it was yeah. April or the end of March, and uh, and yeah, I, I know my ticket to Cardiff booked, uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, obviously, that had to fall through um, for obvious reasons. But I don't. I don't have any more insight other than other than the occasional headlines that say he's kind of, um, you know, he's uh, he, he's nearing a return. Because um, that's I, not been without its problems, has it? Oh, it no, no. Like it. The initial the initial diagnosis was that he would be fit in time for the World Cup, yeah. and you know, here we are. Uh, yeah, here we are. You know, a um, this time last year. You know, I think that the provisional World Cup squad had been named, hadn't it? So, yeah, that that has been a blow. I, I would guess that actually something like this for an injury as serious as as that was, and I think the the extended layoff as a result of COVID will probably, I would hope, prolong his his playing career. You yeah. know, you do look at certain players and think, God, you know, they've they've been through the mill. Actually, having a, a long period of time off uh, will, um, you know, and not and not doing a full contact training or anything like that during these this time as well you know i think that must help it might it must just give them a, a well a well-earned break i hope that's the case with ellis jenkins yeah what other things do you can i give you grants obviously you know Corey hills is a is a you know is a, a great you know a, he's a great player and if he stays fit then he'll but he won't play you know that often um uh, no, he won't. I mean, yeah, I'll... and it's that it's that front five again, isn't it? That you think, uh, you know, what what's going on there? Yeah, I think that the pack has been the has been the thing for uh, for Cardiff for a, for a long time, hasn't it? Um, what I do think, though, I mean, yeah, just quick quickly on Corey Hill, you know, it's again mixed mixed emotions on that one. It's it feels like you're watching your your girlfriend go back to her ex. Um, <laughs> You know, she like, yeah, let's, I'm glad that you're taking a philosophical view of that, uh, Chad. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, it does feel a bit like that. But again, you know, I, you can't fault you can't fault the, the shift he's been. He's been he's been integral to everything. That uh, I think his attitude at the Dragons has been integral to that shift, as well as you know he was there before Dean Ryan arrived, and I think he um, he's added a huge amount. And any player we've spoken to who's played with Corey, it says he's a you know 
he's a natural, not a natural leader necessarily, but when he says something, people people listen. So um, I think that will be a big boost to uh, to their dressing room, and you know, in the games he plays, that will help. Um, but I, I think there are some interesting things. I think Roy Thornton has been a has been a good, if perhaps not spectacular, signing for them. Uh, you know, initially on loan, and then and then coming in. I, I you know, I think he's he's gone a long way about showing the uh showing some of that potential that he that he had early on and it, it's a hard position lock in that you know it's it's one of those you can you can you can really go through a dip in form um, yeah. early on in your career and it, it can be a hard and lonely place to come back from because you're expected to be you know to be an enforcer um and i think said Davis the same you know i think yeah, I it's completely that's one of the that's one of the <laughs> one of the big surprises isn't it really that said Davis hasn't hasn't sort of stepped on as it were but that may be because you know it is really really hard to suddenly become a mature player you know you it's very difficult to do that it is but again he's you know he's what early 23 24 years yeah. old there's a there's a, uh I, you know i think there's a lot more to come personally i I don't like seeing him moved around and trying to play at eight and things like no. that. I, I think he's a, an excellent footballing lock, and that's where yeah. I'd be looking to looking to pick him. Um, a, a player who I think has has the potential to be really exciting is Sam Moore coming in in the in the back row. You know, big, powerful number eight. And again, you know, if we're looking at um, you know you, you cap cap for England at age grade level, isn't he? But obviously, uh, is is eligible through his. Uh, in fact, was he even born in Wales? I think he's presumably born in Wales, wasn't he? I don't I, know. Thought, he's, he's Steve Moore's. He's Steve Moore's boy. Yes. Yeah. So I would guess that he was born in Wales. Um, and yeah, you know, again, I, I think that's a that's a really good signing in terms of adding some um, adding some bulk to the pack because he's got loads of number eight. He's a. I think he's six foot six, something like that. So he's going to add some serious heft. Um, I think he's played a little bit at lock. I might be wrong on that, um, but I think he, he might have done a little bit in there as well. But uh, yeah, that's that's a good signing. And and in a similar mould, um, Luke Scully joining behind the scrum. Uh, so you know, I, I think again, those those signings are are, are exciting ones for um, uh, for Cardiff fans. I think they they look at that and go, do you know what? There's some there's some good players in there. Yes, I think you'd you know you'd probably like a you'd probably like another grizzled second row in there. But you know if the, if those players we, we just mentioned and uh, and, and uh, James Ratty as well, uh, I, I think yeah, you know, there's, there's some really good prospects there. Yeah, he was really good at the. Uh, <clears throat> he was he was really hitting his straps, wasn't he last season? Yeah, so I, you know I, I think there's there's lots of prospects in there. And again, if you look at the front row. Our hip's been dogged with injuries during um, during that time, and you know we know when he's fully fit how an influential player he can be, and, and he's there he's there all year round. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I don't know. I, I think generally they they would be another one who fall into the brackets of, of having some good uh, some good signings come in there. I think it's a shame to see Macaulay Cook go. He's he's put in a real shift for them again in the second row. Um, but you know, presumably people closer closer to the club are able to say why that is. I can't imagine it was a, you know, he's breaking the bank in terms of salary. Perhaps it's a it's a fitness thing, and they just think it's you know it's um, with some of these younger prospects, it's, it's time to move him on. But I don't know. I, yeah. I, I generally I think there's a good, you know, some pretty good signings coming in there. 
Yeah, Sam Moore is qualified. He was born in Cardiff. So. He was born in Cardiff. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say because I knew I knew he played age grade rugby for for England. I think. But, yeah, um, well, you yeah. Go, if you go to Sedbergh School and then Merchant Taylors, uh, I think you have to play for England. Don't you? That's <laughs> that's isn't that the law? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It uh, it might well do, but uh, yeah, again, I think a bit like the the Moriarty case, perhaps is a. Uh, his father and uncle have uh, have, uh, have shown him the, yeah. the correct path. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, big, big, big prospect. And I'll tell you what, you know, if there's a position where Wales need uh, need some cover, I know back row generally we don't, but a number, a, a big number yeah. eight is something that uh, that we could definitely benefit from. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's have a look. Uh, let's have a look um, closer to home for you, Justin. Uh, let's let's talk about the Ospreys. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an intriguing old time down there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, part of it is to do with, again, to do with players coming back from injury and you hope that Anscombe and Corey Allen and Keelan Giles are going to be mm. are going to be uh, fit and well. Obviously, completely new regime. Uh, and you think, I thought the Stephen Myler signing, it, I... I I always had a soft spot for Myla, I have mm. to say. Um, I, my only apprehension about it is that I, I, I'm always a bit apprehensive about coaches signing players they've worked with before. And that's, I don't know, it's something about that um, I think it makes me feel like it's a comfort zone thing, you know, rather than a, a challenging thing. And I, there's a bit of that as well with um, Glenn Delaney as well. Um, mm. Uh, some of his signings he's worked with before, but I don't know. I hope I hope I'm wrong uh, because uh, for they they desperately. I mean, they were they. they it was just gr- so grim watching t- you know the tens playing for Ospreys last season. Yeah, it was, and I think you know, obviously, Myler's Myler's one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Anscombe thing, I think, seems a bit more worrying. Well, you know, not that. Uh, ruptured ACL or whatever the injury was wasn't worrying enough but the fact that we've had almost a year since that injury and uh, you know and an extended period of time where no rugby has been played uh, and a couple of meaningless fixtures at the end of the season and they're still saying right we need to get in cover at 10 makes it sound like I think there's a there's a fair bit of concern that that's my speculation on it um so yeah, you know, you you think that Booth has taken a look at it and said that we need some experience. We need a ten who can pull some strings here. I, I think Myler will will add something to that dressing room. And then you've also got Matt Prothero coming in. Yeah, you know, I know he's you know he's a ten and a fifteen. Maybe they see him more as a fifteen. But uh, you know, he's certainly, he's certainly got the got the ability to play at, at ten. And I think that that's a really exciting signing, um, in my opinion. So. There's there's that and Myler. I think you you look at it and go, well, there's there are there are two good options there at ten, um, alongside uh, alongside Anscombe who's injured, and then Luke Price and Kai, and Kai Evans who, you know, neither neither looked comfortable when they played at, at ten last year. No. So you know, it's um, it's a question of that. That was that would definitely look like it was an area that they wanted to they wanted to improve on. Yeah, definitely, and obviously, you know, Web Webs going to be hopefully make a big difference as well I, I don't I don't know how he can't you know my only concern with Reese Webb was that he was in you know he wasn't playing a lot of rugby in uh he wasn't playing a lot of rugby in uh Toulon 
came back looked looked a little bit rusty during the Six Nations. Yeah, I it did look rusty. Yeah, and uh, you know perhaps was trying a little too hard in the that that opening fixture where he came off the bench, but uh, like, he he'll he'll be so keen to make an impression and, and get that nine shirt back. Uh, and look, I I think he's this this might sound outrageous, but I think he'll be looking at this thinking if I have a big if I have a big ten months, I I can get that I can get the Lions nine shirt. I, I wow. really do. I do, you know I he has not become a bad player overnight far from it i think he'll he'll come back he'll be fit he'll get some good games under his belt for the ospreys hopefully a much more competitive if not successful ospreys side he's already in the wales side you know he's already in the the, the squad rather and yeah. uh, you know i think all it will take is a, a no one has made that nine shirt their own uh, for wales and i think he'll be eyeing that up he'll say right if i make this my own i can i can make the lions jersey my own Realistically, yeah. no, look, look at the well, candidates. The, the, yeah, there aren't the candidates are not phenomenal, are they? The, the, that has to be said. It's one of the areas where you could you could toss a coin a little bit. And, yeah. So you know, like, I think I, I think that's uh, that's reason to be excited. And then the the kind of the coaching appointment, I think, is a is, is a good one. You know, that the last the last couple of appointments have not worked. Uh, Alan Clark. Well, no, sorry. Well, the, the Alan Clark appointment didn't work. You know, I think Tandy had a very tough job before that, and I haven't missed anyone, has it? Was it Tandy straight to to Alan Clark? Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah. I mean, for me, it's it just feels like it's almost it's it's time for just somebody to just make an impression. I, I think it's going to be hard. It's really hard to predict because that team there was no attacking flair. Mm. Uh, there was no real constructive I know that Griff Reese gets a good press and everything and he seems like a very agreeable man and, and I'm not knocking I don't what, what I know about Bass coaching you could write at the back of the back of a stamp but it, it there never seemed to be a pattern or a or a kind of a way of playing or a, but then the players were not didn't seem to follow <laughs> follow any particular pattern I think more dis- I think more disappointing than that was you know was Griff did a job for a very long time and uh, and then and then moved on down to Cardiff and Matt Sherratt went the other way yeah and Matt Sherratt had a you know a fantastic reputation when he was working with Danny Wilson at Cardiff and it just it just did not fire did it at no, all you know the Osprey's backs did not look anything like or play any rugby like the the rugby that Sherratt got the the backs at the Blues to play. So yeah. that wasn't working, and um, Brock James is going to come in and do that job. I don't know if that's con- if that's a confirmed sign. Should have should have checked all this yeah, it before is. we came it on. Is. Air, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, you just think again that the kind of experience that he brings, and the if you think about how he played as a player, his ability to control a game. Yeah, you know, kind of, Myler is. It, <laughs> is kind of a, a chip off the old block in that regard. You know, he's got a, he'll have a, a very shrewd kicking game, uh, but also very good with, with uh, having the players in the right position outside him uh, and, and controlling a back line. So it might be a bit of a short-term measure, this Myler thing, but I think that, you know, working as a unit, having the experience of Brock James and a Myler there in the setup. While you've got young talents like like Provero, I don't I don't know whether the Osprey team is a ten or not, but you'd cert- you'd certainly be looking at, at that thinking, 
um, let, let's have a good close examination of whether he's um, of whether he's got the skill to do this. Uh, yeah, I mean, to a, to a certain extent with Share, it, it was a case of that there was nobody. Once players like Corey Allen were injured, and and Williams, obviously Scott Williams, has always you know had us really struggled, and they were talking about him playing injured and not being fully fit anyway, even when he was playing. So I guess that they they had nothing to they had nothing to play with really to mm. to a certain extent. I mean, I I just. I know that Sam Costello went to Scarlets, and I would have just that would have been I would have loved that. But I mean, you can, you know, you can't just have all the tens in Wales, you know, at the Ospreys. But I, I'm not sure about, you know, about whether there's we've got enough strength and depth. That's my worry about. Really. Quick one for you: Is Sam Costello's nickname Elvis? And if not, why not? Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's it has to be. Like they, they'll just go. Yeah, he's, not, he's nineteen years old. He won't have a, he won't have a clue who Elvis Costello is, will he? <laughs> no, that's true. But yeah, I really hope he has a. I really hope he hits the ground running because that was such an. It was such an exciting turnaround for the twenties last season, and I really hope he he gets gets a game and gets to prove himself. Well, let's have a quick look at that to finish. Then, uh, let's, yeah, finish with the uh, with the Scarlets and the and the business that they've done. So, I, I think out of, uh, out of the, the obviously you've got you know we've got Liam Williams returning, which is a hugely exciting one. But we know what he's going to bring, and he's going to be he's going to be he's going to be fantastic for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But alongside that, I mean, I think Sam Costello is the is the one that is the most exciting. And I, yeah. and you're right, you know, the, the glimpses we've seen, I think that's a real coup. And again. I think that that surely is another is another sixty cap thing. He's looked at it, going right. Do you know what? If I get the game time ban here, I've got a chance of making a Wales squad in the next couple of years. And from there, who knows? Who yeah. knows what uh, what could happen? Yeah, I really hope so. It's funny, isn't it? The Johan Cunningham uh, leaving and yeah. sort of being shown the door in fairly. Uh, it, it, that feels quite strange, uh, having been there for quite a few years and. In a way, that it, it sort of maybe Glenn Delaney's just putting down his, you know, putting his foot down and wants to and wants to sort of assert his authority or something. I don't mm. know, but um, it's in terms of um, in terms of kind of just taking over from Brad Moore. Obviously, that's not the case. He wants to do his own thing, and I suppose that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's a difficult task to take over from Brad Moore as well, isn't it? Because he was so uh, charismatic in that role. It's kind of like, you know, what if Jurgen Klopp came in and coached uh, came in and coached the Scarlets for a year and then went? You know what I mean? It's like you'd, you'd always be thinking, "Oh God, it's a tough act to follow," and in a way, you know, a harder act to follow than than someone who'd had a load of a load of success and and then you know that their, their time had passed you you kind of always sat there if you're a Scarlet's fan I think you'd be sat there thinking oh god you know what if Brad Moore had stayed or at least if you know if the results don't quite go their way but it's I don't know it's a, it's a tricky one but in many ways probably the the most obvious appointment it seemed like a transition anyway I mean Brad Moore was doing a great job in in the marketing and communications department, I think that, that it was it was really it. They they you know they weren't they weren't firing on all cylinders by any means, and obviously they they had a load of injured, really key players who were injured, players who 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 are the kind of 
core Scarlet's kind of characters. But uh, yeah, so in a way, yeah, he's he's on a hide he's on a hide into nothing because they weren't really brilliant last season, were they? Uh, so so yeah, he's. I, I think that he has. It's not quite. He's not there to stop the rot. I'm not. That's a ridiculous thing to say. But he's there to. He is there to put to say, okay. You know, it's time to start again. I think oh. rather than carry on, if you know what I mean. There's, it's not like Brad Moore seemed like a continuation of the Pivac sort of mm. way of things. But obviously, he had trust, such an amazing amount of charisma. This this is going to be a new a new period for Scarlets. It is, and joining Sam Costello in the in the ranks, they've made a couple of other a couple of other signings too. Obviously, Tyler Morgan has moved on from the Dragons, joining a, a, a strangely long list of players who have left the Dragons to go to go west, uh, which I don't know. It's, it it just seems a bit odd, you know. That west you, is you, best. Well, you know that, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, it just seems odd. Not that, that far point. west, obviously. If you oh, once well. you cross the Lecher estuary, it's, like, it's game over. But you know, yeah. But, no, it's it's a. It, 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 he's just got to stay injury free for a whole year, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, obviously, they. You know, we we know what great potential he's got, and it's it's an interesting one because again, I I, I part wonder whether you know, whether Dean Ryan or whoever at the, the Dragons has looked at it and gone, well, you know, this guy's had such bad luck with injury, we can't, we just can't commit the, the budget to him. And I wonder whether the same's happened with uh, with poor old Nick Cudd. And mm. because, you know, both those players, whenever they played, were fantastic. But was Ty, uh, was Tyler Morgan still on the WRU payroll? No, I think that had gone. Ah, uh, okay. Well, there was, we are. He, that was he, it. He was, so they, yeah. they were paying 80% of his salary up to a point and then obviously they weren't. Yeah, and you know, I don't think it was the it wasn't the existing setup, so I don't think it would have been as much as eighty. In oh really? I think that's as of now, isn't it? Um, Oh okay. So yeah, these new deals are eighty percent, which is why you know I think again we're able to see players like like Liam Williams back in the Scarlets. You know, Scarlets got Liam Williams and and Lee Halfpenny in there, you know, to pick from at at fullback. Um, but yeah, to, to go back to Morgan, you know, I think if he could, I, you know, I genuinely, I do hope he stayed injury free because it was the most Tyler Morgan thing in the world uh, when he played last year. It was at the European game and uh, and ran in a fantastic try and, and pulled his hamstring while diving over the line. He just mm. thought like the, the the cruelest of luck that this that this guy gets. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm sh- I'm sure there's uh, there's some. Some exciting times ahead for him there, uh, and do you know what? In, in midfield, they need a bit of rebuilding. The Scarlets they they will have lost uh, Hadley Parks, who's who's been a you know a, a real pillar within there. Uh, you've got John Fox coming back from injury, but you know will be playing will be with Wales uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and then who else? If Fonatier has gone, yeah. yeah. And uh, is there is there anyone? Else? I think I might have forgotten someone else as well. Um, but uh, oh yeah, of course, uh, Corey Baldwin going to Exeter. Yeah. So, you know, there's um, there's some big there's some big holes in there, and you think obviously only two years before that Scott Williams left. So it's a uh, it's a real interesting um, interesting area for them to see how they how they get that balance in uh, in the backs. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Scarlet's fans are are pretty excited about the signing. Uh, Johnny Williams comes in there too. The uh, 
Uh, Newcastle again, Welsh qualified uh, centre. I've not seen a huge amount of him play, but it's a pretty, you know, again, it's a pretty amazing story to um, yeah. come back from cancer treatment and be and be playing. So best, of, you know, best of luck to to him and and then some experience in the pack in in Calamaphoni, who's 32, 33 years old, but again, a great big hunking hard as hard as you like Tongan uh, number eight. That's that's never a bad thing to see in your in your um in your squad is it no no i mean it, it's it's it, like i say I, I i get the feeling that they're gonna have to re they're just gonna have to have fairly modest ambitions and just rebuild and put things back in place or build a new you know a new a new scarlet's squad really because like you say so many people have have got come and gone over the last two seasons yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully it won't be too long until uh, you know until we're able to to make a, a proper judgment on these uh, on these players. You know, it's the um, end of August that we've got to wait until we can see some rugby again, albeit in front of empty stadiums. Leaving jokes about uh, Welsh rugby attendance to one side, it's a it's a it's a very very odd thing. But you know, nonetheless, it is it is better than nothing. Yeah, and they're playing. Is it they're talking about Blues versus Ospreys at Rodney Parade, aren't they? Because oh. of the, because of the, not being able to play at Cardiff. So that's yeah, you, it's yeah, it's going to be. It, th- these games are going to be very, very odd, aren't they? First, first, first up, local derbies. This is going to be really interesting. It is, and it will give us plenty of things to talk about. And we will, of course, be following all these moves and all the other news in Welsh rugby closely here on the Attacking Scrum. Uh, we've got some more great guests lined up for you in the. In the coming weeks. So thanks very much indeed for listening. Yesin, thanks for joining us and we'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.